seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Many of us uh, travel through life on our journeys, doing what's expected of us, and uh, kind of just getting a good job, and good education, getting married, having children, whatever it may be that our societies or our parents have uh, told us that we should do, right? So we come to a point in our lives where we look back and we start questioning whether that is our authentic selves. And I suppose in olden days they would, or even today they call that the midlife crisis. And we call react differently to uh, the answers coming back to us when we ask those questions. Uh, you know, the uh, stereotypical is that the the man goes out and uh, buys himself a sports car and uh, uh, you know different people react differently and uh, a lot of times we might seek external comforts to soothe this kind of yearning that we have within to seek our authenticity. Now, of course, if we wake up to ourselves and we start to actually explore what is that authenticity uh, beyond a materialistic perspective, then we can start to work in towards the self-awareness and self-reflection and so forth. And that is when we start shifting our paradigms from uh, this living this life of uh, what is expected of us from the outside and start living authentically. Having gone through this process myself and uh, all all the trials and tribulations that come with it, it's uh, always a true pleasure when you meet someone who has also gone through uh, these types of uh, experiences, Uh, you know, whatever those experiences may be, you can always find that reflection in uh, someone else as well. And today we have Carol Hodges with us to share her experiences, how she got onto the journey and how she has worked through her process. She's the author of uh, The Menopause Millionaire, The Keys to Prosperity and Meaning in the Second Half of Your Life. So please go into the episode notes and uh, look up the link for her book and her website where you can uh, reach her and talk with her perhaps about uh, how you are moving through these uh, challenges in your own life. I'm not going to hold you back any longer so here we go enjoy this episode. I found an interesting uh, quote here from Alan Wheelis uh, from the book How People Change. He's a psychologist uh, or psychiatrist and um, He says the the sequence is suffering, insight, will, action, change. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way of putting it. And uh, someone who knows all about uh, change and uh, the sequence, as it were, in this respect, is uh, our uh, esteemed guest today, Carol Hodges. And uh, Carol's the... uh, is a renaissance woman with expertise in transformational change, technology, and financial balance. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Menopause Millionaire, The Keys to Prosperity, Meaning in the Second Half of Your Life, 
and the uh, originator of the life cha uh, change navigation, a process to spiritual and emotional clarity in your unique life adventure. Carol was video conferencing expert and top salesperson at MCI and executive VP for the International Multimedia Telecommunications Consortium and insurance uh, licensed professional. She assists individual and business owners to protect their future. Welcome, Carol. That's an illustrious uh, four, four sentences there with uh, a, a lot of meat in it. So uh, do you want to welcome, first of all, and uh, I'm, we're so pleased to have you here. It's uh, very exciting to have this discussion with you today and uh, to share your insights with uh, our audience so uh, thank you for joining us well i'm absolutely uh, delighted to be here because i it, it's funny as i listen to my own bio that i've had many different lives and different types of interests over the years i think that's one of the benefits of getting older you can actually have significant experience <laughs> you know 10 years of one thing 20 years of another and suddenly you realize that a lot of things have gone into shape your life mm -hmm. and definitely by midlife i know we've we've spoken you've had multiple careers as as well yeah. and it begins to add to the the layers of of who you are and your understanding of the world whether you have been in you know, finances or technology, or you've been a teacher, or you've been completely in, you know, more the, the spiritual realm. But I find that many people have moved more toward the spiritual realm in the second half of life. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but I suspect there's some here that that's, that's their experience that you find after doing many things, you want to look for meaning. And that's where you end, end up being, saying, here I am, halfway through. Now what? Do I want to keep continuing or is there something I want to change? Yeah, and isn't that, you know, the whole thing with the uh, quote-unquote midlife crisis is that you come to a point and suddenly, instead of just looking forward and having this uh, forward gapping, you start history gapping. So you start looking into your past and saying, what have I really done with my life? What is, you start asking these questions. And I always tell my audiences or uh, my clients that once you ask yourself a question, you're compelled to get an answer, right? Your subconscious Absolutely. throws up an answer to you as long as you're open to it. Um, uh, so when you have that, then you have also the choice what am I going to do with this information? Mm -hmm. What path am I going to take down for the rest of my life? Uh, now, I was 44 years old when that, can, that moment came to me. Um, and uh, I think for a lot of people, it is this kind of, uh, you hit for whatever reason or for whatever experience it is for the individual, kind of rock bottom. and your your identity is uh, kind of ripped away uh, all of a sudden so my identity for example was you know breadwinner 
family family or head of the family if you like quite a traditional sense um you know uh, co-parent of two beautiful children um now suddenly i was single parent you know the mother's still there but you know i was half the time single parent um now i'm uh, one in the family and the, you know all those identities i had before suddenly ripped away so i kind of equated to well it's similar to a near-death experience uh but it's not the death of the physical it's the death of uh, identity right yeah i i think that happens to everybody in in different ways and it's it's a matter of how you look at it mm -hmm. but mine yeah everything was ripped away in a single year in that i it was just before turning 50, 48. And my eldest daughter, who is brilliant, she went to NYU summa cum laude. She was a, a dancer with the Merce Cunningham Company. She came home and she had lost her grip on reality. Uh, she was bipolar. And I, to this day, I would say we people do not understand or know how to deal with with mental illness if there's anybody here who's had it you mm -hmm. had it in your family you you understand the normal methods of dealing with people just don't even seem to apply she was in her own world at the same time my marriage was falling apart i was in business with my ex-husband and we were speaking less and less but dealing with the same problem which you know a daughter with mental illness and the business was not going well so there was the day that i came home and i left my daughter corinne she was talking on the phone went to pick up her sister i was gone 20 minutes and came back and she had taken her own life um she did survive for a few days in, in the hospital, I we got there so quickly that we called paramedics, got her to the hospital, but uh, by that time she was close to brain dead. So it was it was a few days. Following that, because our finances were were such, I had already left the business. I took a new job two weeks after her funeral, and I didn't let anybody know what was going on in my life. I thought no one will hire me. <laughs> if So that was my method. Uh, but grief is real. Mm -hmm. You know, and as much as I was pushing it down, because I, I took a job that was not challenging, because I just wanted to, I just needed that paycheck. You know, show up at nine, leave at five, smile while you're there, and then go home. And Within that same year, uh, I finalized a divorce and had a complete bankruptcy. So I felt like I was starting my life over again. And I had two other children who were coming up on adulthood. My son was 21, my daughter 16. So I, I was doing my best to get another household going because within that a little bit later that year, uh, my husband had our, our house repossessed. So 
you know, he had to, to move and he didn't prepare. So that was very sudden. But with all of that, I think it's, it's helpful to look back and I say, everybody has their own awakening. And I began to realize how I had ignored things for so many years. I was very good at stuffing, very good at just pushing it all down and, and keep going. And so, you know, some people have a bump in the road, some have a two by four and I got the Mack truck, you know, but it doesn't matter what it is or how firm it is. I think we get a call mm -hmm. that is our personal call to, to wake up and we're all in different places. So with that, I, that was the beginning of my examining who I am, you know, all the things that brought me together made me me. And ultimately then why I was here and I needed to heal first, mm -hmm. you know, but at one day, like about two years later, I walked outside and for the first time I looked at the sky and I said, the sky is blue and there's clouds. And realized I hadn't noticed that for two years. Right. So that's what I say. I felt like the, the grief, the initial grief was kind of lifting. But we all have those things that that wake us up. Well, do you, you, do you find, uh, I, I kind of find in, in my journey in a way that the reason it comes to that culmination is because I ignored the calling up until that point. And it kind of gets to that point where the universal energies around you, it all just comes to this point where uh, even if I try to resist it, there is no resisting anymore. So you, you I call it the universe um the universal uh, um, uh universe smackdown um and that's your rock bottom right so i i know yeah. personally that there were several opportunities from the time i was a child up until this point at 44 that i could have had that quote-unquote awakening or shift in um in my paradigm is that, do you find that same same thing in you, uh, if you look back through your life? Absolutely. Because as I look back and realize that there were all these things, I said I was so good at stuffing. Mm -hmm. And I, I found it's actually quite common with, with women because I didn't like arguing. My parents argued, and I think I made the internal vow I was not going to do that. So instead... I stuffed everything. And I began to realize when I looked through my journal after I was single, I looked at the dates on there and I thought, I've been mad as hell for 10 years. Hmm. I didn't acknowledge it. But the interesting thing is you look back and see the pull. At the same time, I had a huge pull to do musical theater. They, we had a wonderful musical theater with a full orchestra that was local. 
And I wanted to be in that. Now, no one else really cared, but I would go to auditions and I was terrified. But something in me just said, you have to do this. And I kept going to auditions and I was shaking so bad. I had my children come with me so they could sign me in because I couldn't hold the pen. I was shaking so bad. But if I look back and say, what was that all about? A connection is that something in me was longing to be heard. It was longing for expression and being able to be fully involved and fully expressed in singing and dancing and moving and feeling joy, feeling sorrow, feeling all those, those things through musical theater. I believe that was what gave me some of the strength because I found a way to be expressed and following on, I've done other things. And now I would say, most people say, I'm, I'm very honest. I'm always compassionate. But if you ask me something, I will tell you the truth. You know, how I see it, acknowledging we're all in our journey, but expressing my truth became very important and doing it in a way that actually communicates on a, on a deeper level. All of that, I believe, came from squishing down my feelings for so many years till they just were calling out in every which way. Well, the, the contrasts that you have to experience one in order to appreciate the other. Um, and <clears throat> so then I've done exactly the same thing that you did. I abhor conflict and uh, confrontation. So uh, I would always kind of, mumble and walk away and stuff everything down and then you know it kind of comes to that eruption right um and yeah it's it is allowing finding outlets that allows or gives space for us to experience the emotions because the emotions as far as i see uh, or in my practice my experience is that it is a way for your body to communicate with you this is what's going on. So if there's sadness, sadness coming up, the body is trying to say something to you. Uh, this is what we are experiencing right now, but we are so conditioned in our society that emotions are bad. We are constantly told, stop crying. Don't, don't be such a crybaby. Stop being so sensitive. Oh, that's nothing to cry about. Or, uh, you know, contain that anger, you know? So we, we are taught and conditioned from a very young age to really stuff it down, right? Yeah. Uh, so that when, while we should actually have been taught that it's safe and necessary for us to experience our emotions. So in your case, uh, going on stage and experiencing those emotions, that's your body then goes, oh, fantastic. Finally, I can re start releasing some of this. So, I mean, from my, my perspective, I suffered with quite severe sciatica for about 15 years. And uh, once I sat down and I started releasing stuff, it was gone in two weeks because it was all energies that were like cramping up all the muscles around the sciatica. And once they were, uh, so it was anger basically, because it tends to sit in your right hip. Um, and once I started releasing that, 
sciatica disappeared. It took two weeks of just dedication to meditation, right? So it's, isn't it the uh, same experience, right? I'm, I'm smiling because I also had sciatica. Of course you do. <laughs> and I, I went to this one uh, doctor, I've forgotten, who did it. I think an osteopath. And so, and, and I went because this was, it was horrible. I couldn't sit. It just drove me crazy, as, as you know. And all of a sudden, he's asking me about my life. And he's asking me about my marriage. And I thought, wait a minute, did I end up with a psychologist? I, I, I thought I was coming to a medical doctor. But he was a holistic doctor. And he was the first one who told me, he said, you know, where you're experiencing that, he said, is a seat of anger. Mm-hmm. And he let me understand that even though he treated me with acupuncture and various things, but he, he let me understand that there was an emotional component to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, pardon my language, but he said, I began to realize that the reason I had a pain in my ass is because I had a pain in my ass in my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, it, so it didn't clear up, you know, immediately for me, but that happened before my divorce, before that, that year. Right. And it wasn't till after that year and I was on my own that I found a chiropractor and one day he treated me for about a couple of years, but all, all of a sudden one day he went, adjusted me, it was gone. Mm-hmm. It has never come back. No. So I, there really is, doctors will tell you there, there is a connection yeah. between our experience and what we experience in our bodies. It's very real. Absolutely. And the mind-body connection is quite well established today. And um, when I was studying psychotherapy, you know, we talked a lot about that, the mind-heart connection, the mind-body connection, the mind-gut connection. Um, So absolutely, when we push all these emotions down, right, they have to go somewhere and it's energy so it's we become the battery for those energies to be stored and it's only when we allow ourselves to connect with something that we can discharge some of those energies uh, but we have to go there and allow that to be released right yes uh, and that's that's why i see when we when we have that experience of awakening that we awaken to the kind of errors that all the the stuffing down we've done and suddenly you you have these emotions coming up to be treated and uh, that's the scary part isn't it so so we we have this experience of living a traditional life up to a point where we can't do it any longer and now suddenly life is erupting right and yes. it's now going into, you know, as the quote says, we have an actual fact, the, the first part is suffering because we're just suffering through it, right? But we think this is how life should be. This is just how it is for everybody else. You know, we just suffer through it uh, until we retire and then hopefully it'll be a little bit easier. Um, but then we come to the insight. Yes. And now the suffering doesn't end there, does it? 
Well, the no, pain doesn't end there. The pain doesn't end there. <laughs> we're still breathing. Yeah. As long as we're, we're still breathing, we are still learning. And we have opportunities. I, I think that's a very hopeful thing. It's not, gee, we're down at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But I think as we, we learn more, we can be hopeful if we're still breathing you know we can still raise our energies there's there's still more room to go higher mm -hmm. and i think that's a a wonderful thing to to realize uh also for me and this is along with that that i found that after midlife as i began to look and say why am i here now I began to realize it was to be in service of other people. And yet, what had I always been called to? Okay, musical theater. For 20 years, I was doing that. It got me into my body. You can't dance without being in your body and expression. But I began to realize in that, that being of service that I could use everything I had learned along the way that suddenly my life became relevant, both the good things that I learned as well as the pain that I went through. Mm. And for a long time, friends said I should write a book, but I thought, you know, uh, I have compassion for people going through grieving, but I know that's, that's not my role in life is to be a grief counselor. Yeah. Uh, but I do understand I've been there. And when I was coaching, I would get, I would often get clients who lost a child. But I think that's the, the bigger part is saying, how can I be of service? How can I take my unique experience and create something to benefit others? And like you with various backgrounds, you know, in technology and then in, in finance, uh, that became what really birthed my book. Because I, I look at all those, I look at the body and the mind, the spirit and the finances, because while that can't make you happy all by itself, life can be very difficult if you don't have your your money handled mm -hmm. <laughs> so, no, of course <clears throat> so ha, and saying at 50 this is the time to look at that because you need time to build money if you, at 50 you've still got maybe 20 years before you might reach that retirement as we discussed you don't have to retire <laughs> exactly. no rule keep working as long as but you need to have something uh saved so that you can be doing that from choice. And that makes a, a real difference, doing that from choice rather than necessity. Yeah. So that's why I encourage everyone to look at it, even though, as I do, I say, you know, I'll probably be uh, working because I want to contribute as mm -hmm. long as I'm breathing. Yeah. So the the um when we when we are in that state of flux i suppose once we have so for you it was 
really going through deep grief during these two years. Of course, it continues after that, but it starts to change a bit, right? And you start getting more insights as to why you're experiencing it. Um, so obviously, for me anyway, uh, those first few years were just trying to keep my nose above water uh, in terms both financially and uh, emotionally and psychologically. Um, do you find that how how do you feel would be a good way to kind of structure that experience in a way that uh, would then serve uh, the kind of continuation of that process? Well, one of the things, and this is, I, I wrote my book as a way that you could journal through and look at all aspects because as, as women, our bodies mm. <laughs> have a little announcement that we have reached our personal midlife. Uh, so I think that change and it, it can be, it can be easy, it can be dramatic, it can have various aspects. I mean, I used to forget things. It was, right. my body was, was fine, but I would forget where I was driving. I would, so I go through asking questions first about your body because this is, this is our vehicle. I call life an adventure and really we're playing the game of life, but this is our playing piece mm -hmm. and we must pay attention to it. We can get away with doing whatever when we're younger, but this is the time. So it's looking at your body and then looking at your, I call them relationships mm -hmm. because that very often changes. So you are not alone. <laughs> I am not alone. There are so many people that, uh, you know, the, the increase in divorce over 50 is, is quite high. And I think it, it has to do with this reevaluation of life and also reevaluation of your relationships. If you're parents, then your children are getting to be adults they don't need you in the same way that two-year-olds need you. Mm -hmm. So who are you when maybe you have, you've been mom and dad and that's leaving, it's, it has to be reevaluated. So I look at that as well as dating, which for me, I was single for 15 years. That was an opportunity to learn about myself more than anything else. I, I would have been horrified had I thought I'd be single for so long. But as I look back, I thought, oh, thank heavens. Thank heavens I was that I had the opportunity to grow on my own, to understand the joys and the heartbreaks and to look at it with, with gratitude. So the, the process for me has been asking questions and throughout the book, I ask questions. Financially, I have you look at various aspects and find out what you're, what you're interested in, what your choices are. If you want to have a business, what are some of the choices there? But 
asking questions throughout so that uh, anyone reading it, it can kind of flip through if there's some things you feel don't apply to you and just go to a different chapter where there's other topics because I guarantee there's something for everyone in there. Well, and I think as men, we go through uh, changes as well, uh, physically and mentally and, uh, you know, just because uh, women have something called menopause uh, and there are certain uh, symptoms of that uh, change that happens. Um, I mean, we, as men, we have similar things, but it just doesn't have a a, a collective name as as it were. So um, I think for me, much of the process was, okay, how am I doing health-wise? my physical body, my mental body, my spiritual body, you know, am I covering all these bases? And I quickly came to the conclusion, no, I'm not. So uh, in order to uh, come back as a world, kind of find the optimal version of myself and really start living life from my authentic perspective, it was like, okay, I'm going to start running, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to look at everything I eat and uh, really what I take in uh, mentally as well and look at the process of how am I perceiving my experiences and how am I talking to myself, what's my relationship with myself? Right. So all of these things, and it does take time, right? It does take time to sit down and uh, kind of look through your uh, your user manual about yourself and say, okay, well, why didn't I read this manual to begin with uh, as we set up the VCR? And uh, uh, for those of us that remember those machines, <laughs> I never read a manual in my life, I think. But uh, and, and that is... And I think one of the big problems that we have these midlife crisis shifts, uh, divorce rates and all of this is that we're not conscious to begin with. We don't read the manual to begin with and say, ask those questions that you say, you know, who am I? What do I want? We, we kind of go out and say, well, I've been told I have to get a good job. I've been told I have to get married and have children. Once I fulfill that and I buy my house, then I will be successful and I'll, I'll be having a good life. Mm-hmm. But we turn around <laughs> 30 years later and say, you know what, that was applicable to someone else. That wasn't my life. So now, yep, out with the marriage, out with, <laughs> with the house and out with the job and all of that. So now we, we kind of, all that financial security that we built up is now crumbling down because now we have to rip everything apart and we're not in, we're not so interested in it anymore. So we, we're kind of starting over, aren't we, Carol? Yes, I liken, I liken that menopause and starting out to the other change that women have had back when we were about 13 and bodies start developing because that's a time if you think both men and women when when you're about 13 you begin to decide who am i hanging out with 
who are what who are the, the cool guys and gals that I want to hang out with? What do I wear? You know, I'm not going to wear what my parents choose for me anymore. I'm choosing something that I want to wear. And it's a natural part of life. And we understand it then. And as parents, you watch your kids go through it. And it's part of becoming who they are and claiming their own identity. We get that second urge again at midlife. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not mom. I'm not spending my time at the soccer game. I don't need to dress like that anymore. What is truly me? And if we really accept it that way, we can then choose even some of those, those basics. I learned in theater that a change of costume can change your identity. Yeah. And that, uh, that applies to what you go and the costumes you have in your closet. What you choose to wear and maybe something bolder if you're always wearing subdued things. What would that feel like? That is the sort of, of way to kind of begin testing, if you will. Because if you're kind of longing for something that you've never worn, well, you know, maybe there's something in that 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 is calling you. We get little hints all the time from everything, but that, that ability to take it in and begin to grow with it. And like you, it was at that time that I became very interested in the spiritual and developmental and psychological and synchronicity played a part in this. Uh, because the, there was, let's see, it's, it's something off of life spring. There was an, a weekend that was coming up and within the same week, three different people who did not know each other mentioned it to me. I'd never heard of it before. And I, and then someone you know, someone I had met on the, the internet who lived in Colorado said, I'll pay for it because this was early on. So I was still, you know, I'm building from nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I went and that put me on a completely different path. Yeah. We had to tell our truth. And I told my story of today. And I realize that there's embellishment, but if I just tell, tell you straight what happened, no embellishment, uh, people would feel, people were coming up to me and feeling very sorry for me. And I asked myself, is that the impression? Is that what I long for in life? I can get lots of sympathy, but is that what I long for? And I realized it, it wasn't. And I really got that the story that I tell about my life is, does have an influence on how people treat me. That began my first real venture into getting very 
deep into, I've taken quite a few classes. I've got a whole list on my website, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop at that point. Yeah. I really wanted to find out uh, not only who I was, but why, why am I here? And how can I work with and, and benefit others? Because I now recognize we're all in this together. Yes, and, once you open that box, there's no stuffing it back down, right? It's, uh, <laughs> you, you, it's uh, going to stay open and you can't crawl back in. Um, and uh, thank you very much, Lillian. Uh, we actually have a name for the male version of menopause. It's called andropause. Uh, oh. And I did uh, look it up on, uh, or just search it up on the internet and uh, there is a concept called andropause, and it's a syndrome associated with a decrease in sexual satisfaction or a decline in feeling of general well-being with low levels of testosterone in older men. Very interesting. Well, I, I had I had bought the URL manopause. Right. <laughs> I thought so many men asked me about this. I thought, well, that that'll have to be a later version. Yeah, no, but uh, isn't it wonderful? We can uh, we always learn something new every day, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean that that is the, the lowering of the testosterone. Uh, you know, I noticed that myself. So going to the gym and looking after my diet, my testosterone levels have gone back up, and I have more energy. I'm more uh, active, and uh, you know, one would think would think if you if I'm exercising every day that I would be more tired but no it actually gives you energy and boosts um, the uh, reserves as it were uh, so uh, that is uh, the, looking after the physical physical but that the, the financial is also looking after the fiscal right so we need to plan ahead and it is challenging when you are on that rebuilding stage to really you know when you're you're really turning over every penny or every cent in america um, and figuring out what you're going to spend money on to actually put money aside for the future and start thinking in those terms right it is and one of the things i point out because i <laughs> i i can vouch for the fact that smart women can make stupid mistakes with regards to finances Men are no different in that respect, I can tell you. <laughs> and I, I, I learned from that. That's what actually moved me into learning more in the financial industry because after a number of years, I finally, I had gotten up to $100,000 that I had saved for retirement. And I was watching every penny. So that was, uh, that was, my process well then someone came along he was highly recommended a, a gentleman who's a good man and he had a way for me to more quickly earn a return on this money ding, 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 well, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> so i i took it all out put it in with him and it's been gone forever mm. Now I look back and I, I had to ask myself, why did I do that? And I thought, number one, I just trust people. I, I prefer to go through life 
trusting people. But I, after I learned more about finances, I realized that even though he's, he's a good guy, he lost his home, he lost everything. He didn't take my money and go live a high life with it. But I never asked about any guarantees. I never asked the what if. It's like, I hear that you expect that this money is going to come in and you will pay me. You have every anticipation of that. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't happen, then what? And I didn't ask. When you get into the world of finances, this is one of the things to understand that you must ask. Yeah. And, and I've not only my stories, but others. When mm -hmm. well, her mom had her money uh, after her father's death, her mother had their accountant managing the money. And so she kept getting the, you know, a, a report quarterly that things were going up and she would get checks. So she was happy. So she tells her daughter who was even thinking about early retirement at 55, gee, you want to put your money over here. They went and put the money with the accountant. Well, here's the thing about accountants. They don't have E&O insurance because they don't normally manage money. Mm -hmm. Just because they can count money and do your taxes doesn't mean they know anything about investing money. It's a different skill. Well, the worst happened. Six months later, they're, they're getting these wonderful reports. But when you understand we all have computers, any one of us could make up a nice report of to send out. She didn't have a link to check online to see what was actually going on. So all of a sudden, the checks start not coming. This gal had basically gone off with all of it. They reported it. She eventually got caught and she went to jail. But the money was gone. Mm. There's nobody to give it back. So there's all of these that are important important things to to look at that uh, you need to to be aware and I go through looking at uh, in investments the the pros and cons where you put your your money and understanding guarantees where to look and see if your financial advisor I don't know about your country but in the United States there's a link you can go to and see if there are reports and complaints against that person. Oh. Uh, there's uh, all of these tools and how to use them to look and say, real estate's great, but you can lose money at that too. And you can gain it. What makes the difference in, in business? How to build a, a business with a plan so that it's a good business. It brings money in. It doesn't take all the money you already have. So, all of these, I say, are choices, and I like to go through so that women and men can say, you know, maybe there are questions I haven't asked mm -hmm. that can make a big difference in your outcome. Well, it's also important to understand what is, well, there are two things to it. What is my motivation for taking this action? 
and that yeah. that doesn't that applies to everything in life you know uh, posting something on facebook what is my motivation for posting this like you were saying before my motivation for telling my story am i looking for sympathy what what is my motivation is my motivation authentic or is it uh, coming from a point or uh, perspective of my hurt and my core wounding um, and how am I uh, reflecting that into my own reality? Um, so if we take, but then if you take a situation where you lose all your investments because in this, uh, your friend's case, where they were defrauded, how do I react to that? Why yeah. did this opportunity, or why did this situation show up in my life? Am I using it as an opportunity to learn more about myself and how I react to things and how I interact? And I always tell my clients that, you know, things in life don't show up for you to learn about them. They show up in life for you to learn about yourself and how you respond to the environment around you, because it gives you a clue as to what you need to heal within yourself. If you're not yeah. triggered by something that means that you have nothing to heal in re response to that but if you are triggered then there is that element in order for you to be triggered there needs to be an unhealed element of what's triggering you within yourself um, so uh, is that something that you learned in that process for yourself when you uh, lost all that money yourself yes uh, certainly and more immediately i just kept hoping beyond hope that it would come back and and i still talk to this person to to this day and i'm aware of some things that that he's doing and he no longer manages anyone's money he's doing nonprofits now mm. so i say he's a good man who lost everything yeah oh yeah and we can all so, be unlucky can't we yeah, but he's he's looking for ways to to pay me back. But I began to realize that being a good person doesn't mean you're a good money manager. Of course not. They it's it's a different skill. And so yes, everything is about learning about triggers. And to this day, now at least my triggers are smaller ones. Yeah. I may speak to someone and realize. Oh, there's a trigger there. I'm getting angry, but it's it's totally different now. I can stand back and look at it. Well, you learn to observe yourself, right? Yeah, to to observe and say, that's interesting. Now, how do I how do I want to show up in this moment? What will I consciously choose? And this is fairly recent for me that all of a sudden I can do that now. Mm. And last week I was speaking to someone that really triggered my ex-husband triggers me. <laughs> but just sitting there and saying, okay, take a deep breath. And just having I'm having the internal conversation. How do I choose to show up here? What is if there's anything that I need to say, say it. So I, like, I don't need to say things with anger. Oh. I do need to tell the truth. Yeah. Well, you can tell the truth with compassion, can't you? Correct. And that's 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 my learning edge 
that I'm take conscious note of triggers because since I've had the Mack truck and then I've, I've had the two by four, uh, now it's like, let me just listen to the triggers when they show up and deal with them while they're small. Yeah, and I, I run a psychometry class, which, you know, psychometry is a, a bit of a party trick, if you like, but the the process we go about when we're learning about it and we're having a practice about it, it allows us to observe our own experiences, observe how things change within our body, and that we can then bring that with us into our daily lives so mm -hmm. that we, we can observe when the anger comes up or sadness comes up. And, and a lot of times it might not even belong to us. You know, it might, sadness might show up and, it, you know, part of it doesn't belong to us. Of course, in order for it to show up, there has to be an element within us to, to attract that. Uh, but perhaps 90% of it doesn't belong to us. And the other 10% is actually quite easy to just transmute. Um, so, yes, I, that is one of the key things I teach uh, and I work with my clients on is to observe your own experiences as you're going about your day because then you make the choice how you show up you know the only things that you can control are your thoughts your words and your actions and how you show up in these different experiences so thank you for sharing that carol um, now we are in, we're kind of in the process of rebuilding ourselves and rebuilding our uh, our future now for me, in a way, I found that finding my purpose was really key in terms of taking the ne next step. Um, talk to us a little bit about your process then, kind of how you work with your clients in terms of finding that purpose. Because I understand, uh, I tend to work with people that are kind of smack bang, middle of their awakenings or kind of in that later part of the... Uh, more chaotic part of it uh, and you're more kind of on the leading up to this um, so yes. do you want to talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, that process yes i have a process called life change navigation and one of the things you realize i actually sailed for a number of years and so i've been out on the ocean when you're not sure where the land is oh cool <laughs> And which is why it's taking people through a process and, and really thinking of it that way. There may be a point when the first thing you need to know is clarity on where you want to go. You know, where is it that you want to end up? If you're on a sailboat, you'll, you'll know that you don't head straight there. Even though I had electronic navigation to show me, you know, there's the path. But you have to pay attention to the wind and the water. Mm -hmm. So that's your environment, because on a sailboat, you really zig and zag to get where you're going. You don't go straight. And life is much more like that. So the looking for clarity, first of all, and then from there, beginning to look at your, your environment, you know, what is, what's the wind and the water? And then taking action, you have to set a sail and go in a direction. 
but then knowing how to, to zig and zag. So that's really taking people through the process. And I thought even my word compass, each one is a little bit different for that individual. I always just start out with a, a clarifying session, spending an hour to kind of find out a little bit about where you're going, how clear you, you are. Some people do have a sense of where to go, but recognize that we have to bring all these things along. We have to bring our body and our relationships and our past and whatever's called us, what we've learned in life. You bring that all forward. And particularly for, for leaders in business, they, I think, especially recognize it's not just them on this journey. If you're fortunate enough to be a leader in an organization, your job is to bring along everybody that you touch. So what does, what does that look like and what changes need to happen? So I provide the environment to, to grow, to look at life and say, how do we move forward? And yes, finances come into it, but I am, I'm not a financial advisor. If that's the primary thing, I can pass you off to somebody who really has that expertise. I don't invest money. It's really about your life, but providing that foundation for, for your life. Well, exactly. And we talked about uh, Peter Diamandis last time uh, we, we chatted, and uh, <clears throat> he, he came up with the uh, concept of the uh, massive transformative purpose. Uh, and I find that to be really useful. And it's, it has elements of uh, Ikigai, which is uh, the Japanese concept of, so you figure out you know, what you're good at, what the world needs, where you can charge money for, and what you have a passion for. Yeah. That then becomes your ikigai. So, for example, my massive transformative purpose is to empower humanity to prioritize purpose. Now, that's a big goal. It's audacious. You know, humanity is a lot of people, right? But I can always check things, uh, check my actions against that MTP. And if it resonates, then I'm, I know I'm taking one step closer. So now bringing you on here and talking about, you know, shifting paradigms in later in life resonates with that because we, we are out there talking about helping people prioritize their purpose. Uh, that's what we're talking about right now, right? So yeah. always checking that uh, the small steps I take, they then accumulate and add up to the big leap. Yes. Can, can I share the uh, front of my book? Because I think it Please expresses something. What I have on here is we all want to go toward the light. Yep. So this is moving toward the light, but shaping your key to fit the keyhole and move, move into the light. That, that's really what I wanted to express with this picture on my book. 
So I'll describe because uh, this is an audio podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'll describe oh, that. Okay. The front of Carol's book is a uh, keyhole with a beautiful uh, light streaming through it and a key going into it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, and that's very much it, isn't it? To step into, and that, that's another part of it, stepping into our own greatness is, uh, is very scary because we doubt ourselves to the point until we're actually there and can look back and say, oh my God, look at the journey I've had. It is scary to step into that bigger, uh, bigger role or character as it were. It, which is true. Uh, however, life will always continue to change. It's just a matter of, you know, the fact I call it a life adventure. We never know what will happen next. Never. But if you look at it and you understand everything that happens in your life is an opportunity to make a new choice. We came here as humans and, and we have limitations in these human bodies. We can be in one place at one time. We need to have food. We need to have sleep. All of these things are the little limitations we have in our human body. But we have the opportunity to continue to make choices. And it's just like a monopoly game. Maybe you'll end up owning Park Place, or maybe you'll end up in jail the week after. Life can be like that, but you get to keep deciding. And if you look at it, I find it's, it's a wonderful, liberating way to look at life, to say, why, why is this person in my life? Wow, if I had a flat tire, huh, I wonder what that's about. What did I need to pay attention to? So it can be big things, it can be little things. And there's a, a wonderful thing, as you feel more with light, you're attracted to different things. People who were attracted to your show might not have been 10 years ago. Yeah. They were in a different place. Mm -hmm. And I find that with people, sometimes I see, I see the light. I want to know them better. And now I'll just go up to them and say, hey, I think we ought to get together and I want to get to know you better. So I'm finding that there's a real liberation when you start opening up and just admitting it's an adventure. Wouldn't we all be bored if everything were all the same? We go on roller coasters just for fun because we like variation. It's part of what we as human beings enjoy. So enjoy the little things, the big things. I am so fortunate. I love palm trees. And here I end up living in a place all surrounded by palm trees. But taking a moment to stop, and this, no matter how I'm feeling, if I'm up or if I'm down, I will stop and look at nature and be so appreciative. The, the lines in a leaf, he's like, my gosh, how the design in here is exquisite that 
that connection to higher power is really there. We each find it in our own way, but it's there. It is that light that we can continue to go forward to. And we do it in simple ways, just simple ways, making, making food, waking up in the morning. I, I think that is really one of the benefits of kind of shifting paradigm later in life is because uh, when, when you kind of asleep at the wheel through half of your life and you really, I, I kind of look at it as you paint your canvas, it's kind of painted for you by conditionings, by uh, what people tell you, your religion, your societal background, your parents and so forth. Um, and then you get to that point and suddenly that canvas is taken away and now you have a perfectly white canvas in front of you. It's a beautiful new canvas, but it's daunting because like any artist will know that when you have a brand new canvas, where do you put the, put the pens uh, or the paintbrush on that? Where do you put the first uh, paint stroke, right? So, and it is that taking that first step just to recognize that you have now the opportunity and the freedom to create something new. So just appreciating that, that when you're stepping into this, what is seemingly chaotic and destructive, it is the, that beautiful destruction. That destruction is, cool, is an opportunity to step into something new and take just one corner on, on this canvas and paint something. Just do something that, uh, that lifts you up. Yeah. So whether that is taking a, a, you know, studying a leaf for its beauty, that's putting something on the canvas. And then before you know it, and it is the same kind of metaphor as with the massive transformative purpose, as long as you take steps on this journey and start painting small pictures, eventually you will have the full picture. And will be filled with all the beauty that you see, right? Yeah, personally, I can say that my canvas still has room. Oh, loads. <laughs> well, all, all the canvas gets bigger. So you, you it, it gets can... bigger. And one, one slight difference, because I found I never felt like I had that clean canvas. But what I learned is like an oil painting. Mm. There can be a patch of black. You can paint over it. Yeah. And it might take more than one layer to turn it yellow. But you can do that. And the more layers, the more depth and character. Correct. So you really do have your own canvas and you can you can choose. In my case, I looked at pieces that were already there and said, ah, that's actually delightful. Mm -hmm. I want to keep that piece. But how about this dark spot over there? Let's let's go look at a leaf and maybe we'll put that there. Well, that, and that's the point also is that you don't dismiss anything you keep it but you replace you keep it within the history of yourself but you you kind of put something else in instead yeah even even parents i think it's wonderful going back and ask questions like uh it, and i have a story i mean wayne dyer went back and he believed in the, the little soul that 
had a mission in coming down here. And so he went back in his mind and asked God, you know, why, why did I come here? Because he was left with an, an alcoholic father who had been put in jail and his mother couldn't support them all. So some of the children had to live with foster homes and he was one of those who lived in foster homes. And it's like, why? You know, kind of like, why me? Why, <laughs> why didn't I get nice parents? Mm. But he began to realize all that he learned that he learned to be independent. He learned not to rely upon his parents in the same way. And that was part of what he created in the world. And I think for, for all of us, going back and asking that question from like, why do I have the parents that I had? And what what could I learn from here? What what have I learned? That kind of inventory can be ongoing and very deep that leads you to the next step of appreciating what you have, regardless of what it looks like. Appreciate that. And I find that's that's one of the keys to moving forward. Is no denying anything, but a new appreciation. Yeah. So the so with the gratitude and acceptance, compassion. Well, my my four pillars are compassion and acceptance, gratitude, uh, forgiveness, and gratitude. But if we move forward forward with those as we kind of move through this bit stormy period in our lives. Uh, we can then trust that there is uh, a lighter experience along the way because like i always say you know uh, pain is inevitable but the suffering is optional so it's as we start to change our perception of our own experiences the suffering gets less and less because we're not seeing it from the same perspective we can actually see the pain as uh, something that is benefiting us as opposed to being against us so that we can then move through life and just know that you know we are having a full uh, experience of life right oh absolutely and even in that in other words taking the next step because i think life we we do have times to go back and look at what happened and kind of become very internal. But then another essence of life is to take action mm -hmm. because those next actions produce a result that it gives us like a, like a continual flow of, of food. We need nutrition. Well, we need contemplation and action in order to continually feed ourselves with new experience and that's the great part of life that's our choices yeah and i, th I think uh, uh, coming from this kind of secure comfortable but sleep walking kind of through life and going through that uh, chaos 
can be daunting, but if we do it with the right attitude, we will come out looking back and being grateful for the challenges and the life we've had. You know, we, we don't need to make it a midlife crisis. It's simply, simply a midlife shift. Correct. Right. Yeah. And, and people will all experience it differently. You know, you and I had uh, massive life changes happen at, at that time. And I don't believe everybody needs to do that. Oh. <laughs> we all learn in our own way. And perhaps some were not as stubbornly blind as I was <laughs> at that time. And me both. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see I can see now that it had a purpose. And and so many questions I still don't have answered. Like, oh. why was why was Corinne my daughter? Oh there's bigger pictures there that i don't know i believe and trust that a higher power brought us together because we both had things to mm. learn and so she experienced life in a different way and maybe i learned to give up control yeah no, I think illness, that, you, you learn i you know i'm not in control yeah and it's the I think accepting that we don't need to know everything to experience life as well, that there are elements that we're not supposed to understand at this point. We might in the next week, in a year's time, you know, next life, what have you, depending on your, on your uh, belief system. But having the trust and the acceptance that things will unfold as they're meant to unfold and we will depending on how we approach things we will reveal things in one way or another right i i believe so i call some of that surrender yeah and absolutely. surrender not in the you know i give up on everything and oh. it's going to be it sound like depression but surrender in the sense that there is a higher power and a higher vision and i will do my best and i will trust that whoever comes into my life is there for a reason it's me for me to figure out how whether they are loving or maybe adversarial but they're there for a reason mm -hmm. and so that that is a really helpful uh, way to look at things. And I think I told you the story about finding my now husband. We've been married for seven and a half years. And it was after being single for quite a while and having two men in a row that I dated break up with me because I have this terrible flaw. I am too optimistic. <laughs> How terrible, Carol. I, How dare you? I had no idea that could be annoying, but apparently there are those who find it so. Yeah. And after that, I finally thought, you know, I'm going to embrace that. I'd rather wake up by myself optimistic than with somebody who found that a problem. I got things to fix, but that's not one of them. I'll yeah. stick with that. Yeah. In that self-acceptance, I had a talk with God and said, look, you know I'd love to have a partner in my life, but I'm done with internet dating. You're going to have to put someone in front of me. If I'm to have a partner in my life, I will go out and build community 
you'll have to just put him in front of me. Well, it turned out about three months later, not immediately, I went to an event to meet with a gal that we talked about sharing an apartment in down by the beach. She came to me at that event and said, you know, my plans have changed. I can't have dinner with you to talk about that tonight. Standing right next to us was somebody who knew both of us. I had met Paul at many different personal development classes. And so he was standing right there and said, well, would you like to have dinner with me? So I said, sure. You know, I, I'd known him for years, but he was always just kind of the guy who liked to flirt at events and then never called me. So I thought, you know, he's really not interested. So we had dinner, got caught up. And so he made the next step. He said, well, you know, I know you're looking for places to live in San Diego. I'm in real estate. Would you, I'd be glad to drive you around and show you things. And so I thought, okay, that's a nice friendly thing to do. So I called him, went down, he showed me around and then gave me a kiss goodbye that you normally don't get from your realtor. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, maybe, maybe there's interest. But he never then called and asked me out. It was like another couple months. And I thought, well, he's okay. It's my imagination. He's not that interested. So he called and invited me to an event where it was a couple days of a yoga retreat. I went and that's where we really had a lot of time to find out our synchronicity, including the fact we have the same birthday. <laughs> but what I didn't know at that time, he had invited three different women to go to this event. I knew no one else there. And if he'd been entertaining other women, frankly, I would have left. I would have gone to my sisters. So in the, in the end, as we connected and I learned that he doesn't know how to date, that's why he never called me. And you, did, you did ask God just to put the man in front of you, right. not to so, actually contact you. Yeah. So. I, but I, I look and there's elements where we are so perfect for each other in terms of really understanding how we support each other. But it never would have happened except I surrendered and God put him in front of me. And to this day, we look at each other sometimes and think, you know, how do we ever get together? And I said, well, God had something to do with it. Mm. And it was that surrender and trust. It didn't happen on my time. I would have liked things to have happened sooner. I would have liked him to have asked me out, but it didn't happen that way. Yeah. But God took care of it. Yeah, and I, I think it doesn't matter what belief system you have or uh, lack of lack of one, that uh, you know, surrendering and just accepting and trusting that things will work out the way it's supposed to, uh, really gives us the opportunity to flow through life without that level of resistance, um, and that's one of the key things i've learned in my uh, journey is to just allow things to flow just seek to not resist and take action when you're supposed to so listen to your guidance listen to your intuition uh, and follow that flow 
because then it doesn't matter if you come up against uh, something that blocks you, your perception of it will eliminate that as a form of resistance. So I think that is a beautiful story to uh, showcase that if, as long as you have trust and acceptance, and then you can flow through and what you're meant to experience will eventually show up. Yes. And I think you've, you've got that exactly, that there is a, uh, a lack of resistance mm -hmm. for, for what is. And, and like you, I may call it God's spirit. When writing a letter, I think of a, or a person like a God we think of, but uh, it really doesn't matter on your, your belief. And I, I use many different words for what that is because as they say it's it's all in it's all inclusive but i believe it's a higher energy a higher power that sees far more than we do and that we are we are part of it as well we're connected to it and when we step forward listen to our intuition which i call a little tap on the shoulder for me, when you listen to that and move forward, you're working in conjunction with spirit, in conjunction with universal energy. And somehow I, I just trust things work out through that. Yeah, it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful process. And it is really the metaphor of the, the chrysalis. You have the larvae that kind of just trudging along and then turns into a cocoon and then out comes the beautiful butterfly. But you, you have to go through those challenges of breaking out of the cocoon in order to build up the muscles for you to then thrive. Uh, if you were to cut the cocoon open and let the butterfly out, it would immediately die because it wouldn't have the muscular structure and the resources uh, and tools to thrive as a butterfly. Um, and that is, uh, I think, a beautiful metaphor for this process of shifting paradigms. It is a challenge and it's painful when you're in it, but you understanding and trusting that you go through it in order to build the, the tools and resources to then thrive as you come out on the other end, as it were, will then uh, help you to move through it more with flow as well. So we're on the about an hour and 15 here. So I think rounding it off, just hearing what are some of the key, uh, key advice that you would share uh, to, to clients or our audience here, you know, when, as you're moving through this, what are some of the key advice that you give your clients uh, in this process? Well, something very key really to both of us is that we're all looking at our life. And as Albert Einstein says, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. I believe it's important to find out what's calling you and look outside yourself. We were not meant 
to deal with life just within our own selves and our own minds and hearts. We really were meant to connect. And when you hear anything here or somewhere else in life that, that calls you, listen, you know, feel free to check in with Christopher, check in with me, um, reach out because you never know where that next piece will come from. And it's that bit of trust and experimentation. What you come across, trust it. Step out in all things happen. I loved your butterfly. They, they happen outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's okay. Butterflies struggled a lot before they, they got out. And I imagine the first time they jumped off to fly, it was probably scary. <laughs> as far as a, a, a butterfly has an amygdala, I don't know. <laughs> but, but gee, we, you know, we can all help each other. So do look for those connections that speak to you. Yeah. I appreciate that, Carol. And uh, uh, beautiful uh, ideas of wisdom there for us um, that we can all heed. Um, always seek out uh, help and uh, you know the advice that is right for you. So I want to thank you, Carol, for showing up here today. The challenges and the pain that someone experiences when they are in the middle of that storm of uh, emotions or dealing with whatever has come before um, is certainly nothing to uh, minimize or to neglect, as it were, in this, uh, as we move through life. But as we are moving through it, we, it is important that we understand and trust that there is an end to it, there is something on the other side. As we come out of the storm, there is sunshine, there is clear skies, and there is warmth. However, if we keep looking back into the storm, then we will miss that, we won't be able to see that. So. So if you do find yourself in a situation where you are in great deal of pain and are suffering, then absolutely do not hesitate, do not wait. Seek, up, uh, seek out someone to talk to, seek out the help that you need. And certainly if uh, you uh, have, are going through a quote-unquote awakening, a shift paradigm shift in your life, uh, it is something I have gone through myself and uh, I welcome you to contact me to work with me as uh, if you want to, me to work with you as a mentor uh, please visit uh, my website thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, click on the 30 minute free consultation to have a just an introductory call to see how uh, we might be able to work together and of course don't forget to check out the uh, episode notes where you can find uh, Carol's uh, contact details and uh, of course a link to her book The uh, Menopause Millionaire. For now I wish you good health and abundance and I hope to see you next Friday 11.11am .11 British time as always. Have a good week in the meantime. Bye for now.